It's time for episode 37 of the Clockwise Podcast from your pals at IDG, recorded May 14, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast that's always suffering from jet lag. I am Jason Snell, your co-host, back after a week in London and two weeks, who knows where. And across from me is my co-host, Dan Warren. Hi, Dan. I'm sorry, who are you? Thanks for holding down the fort for who a couple Who let you weeks. in here? Security. Take me away. I'll go back to Hawaii. That's good. It's good to have you back. Uh, sitting next to me virtually is editor-in-chief of PC World and Greenbot.com, John Phillips. Hi, John. Hello. Good to have you here. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you. And to my left is Greenbot staff writer Blake Stimmick. Hi, Blake. Welcome to your first appearance on Clockwise. Uh, thank you. New Glad guy. New, new guy. guy. I am the new guy. Fresh meat. <laughs> this is ha- part of our hazing ritual at IDG. <laughs> you have to be on a podcast. I expected this. All right. <laughs> smart. Very smart. All right. So uh, I'll get started with our first of four topics. I wanted to talk about there, ever since Apple's um, iPad results came out, there's been a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth, especially in the Apple community, but in general about the fact that iPad sales were kind of flat. And a lot of people started asking the question, is, have we reached peak tablet? Are, are, is the tablet as a category maybe not as huge as we were thinking it might be and that people might want to prefer to have just a bigger smartphone or just a nice small functional laptop and so i was interested what you guys think of this do did we get too excited about the tablet as the future of computing or is this just uh, a hiccup and people are making too big a deal out of this and that tablets are, are are fine? I'm wondering what you guys think. I'm not going to tell you what I think until the end because it's cliffhanger and it's show business. John, <laughs> what do you think about tablets? Are, are they uh, – do they get overhyped? No. No. I, I, I couldn't live without my tablet. Uh, I'm a PC guy and I'm an Android smartphone guy. Editor-in-chief of PC World and Green yeah, Hot, so but I, But from, for tablets, I'm, I'm an ad, iPad guy. <gasps> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I couldn't live without it. Um, I, I think what's happening here is that there are fewer reasons to upgrade your tablet than there are to upgrade your smartphone uh, and maybe your PC. Um, although I, I bet if you looked at upgrade cycles, probably smartphone is yearly or every two years, and then tablets would probably fall in line after that. And th- there are quite a few people who keep computers for a very long time. But um, – yeah, I mean, my 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 iPad, uh, what generation? I guess it was called the new iPad when it came so out. that's the two- third generation. Yeah, in 2012. It does everything I need it to do. Um, so I, I don't need to upgrade. And I think what we saw in those earning results is that, sure, they sold fewer iPads because everyone who really needed one had, had bought one and, the, and they were happy with it. They remain happy with it. But I think as a category, the tablet is still very healthy. Um, you're going to see slower upgrade cycles like you might with TVs, certainly computers. Um, but, but it's not a, it's not as if the hype was overblown. It's a, it's a, it's a completely valid product category that, that provides a lot of utility and, um, we use them. I use them. Tech people use them. John, John is totally right, I think, and, and not just tech people. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and not just tech people. I mean, you know, I go out to a coffee shop, and most of the people in there, it's pretty, it's pretty common to see tablets in there. So it's not as if it's only something that's being used by the elite few, right? This is actually 
you know, become a mass market product. And I think that, you know, he's also right about the upgrade thing, which is the first thing that came to mind for me is I, I don't think people turn over their tablets as frequently, in part because they're tend to be still a little more expensive than a smartphone. Um, if you're not, you know, assuming you're tied to a contract and you're sort of going on the subsidy upgrade schedule. Um, and B, because uh, the pace of improvement there is not quite as rapid. I mean, there's definitely improvements from year to year, but I don't think we see the huge, you know, earth-shaking changes in the tablet market currently that we have seen in some of the other rapidly de- uh, developing product categories. Um, in particular, the iPad thing, too, I-, I think, you know, might be a bit of a miscue for some people because, as as Tim Cook explained it anyways, the aberration was not necessarily the low sales this time, but the high sales a year ago, where a lot of that was accounted for based Based on pent-up demand from the Mini because they introduced the new iPad Mini and couldn't ship it fast enough. So whether that holds water or not, obviously, we'll, we'll see going forward whether their sales sort of rebound or level off to a more uh, appropriate number. But I, I think that the tablet is – it's hard to argue that it hasn't been a game-changing you know, technological device. Uh, both for the technology industry and the general consumer. So uh, I think the, the, all these hype claims and, and you know, peak tablet thing is all kind of overblown. Um, yeah, I'm not, I haven't actually looked at the numbers for the, the iPad sales, but yeah, I don't think that tablets are at peak or are going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Like uh, I actually haven't consistently used a tablet um, I'm shocked. for a long time. <laughs> like I've always like been able to go to my smartphone and... Um, I've always wanted to like go to a tablet back and forth, but I've I always just kind of like let it die and then put it in a drawer. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're gonna go anywhere. They're still much like a infotainment device. There, people want to like sit on the couch and use. You know, not very very light light use. And then um, yeah, I think it also has has to do with the upgrade cycle. I mean, they're already getting more powerful. I think that this new generation. If somebody buys it, um, you know, this generation, it might take them, you know, another two years to get another one. You know, like they're becoming more powerful, like computers. It's, yeah, I don't think it's anything's happening with the tablet market. Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, I use my iPad all the time. I cannot envision only having a laptop and a smartphone. And I agree about the upgrade cycle. You guys nailed it. My my wife also has the iPad 3 that John has. And it's it's great. It's retina it works fine. She's not like totally stressing it out with super crazy 3D games or everything. That's going to last her another year or two at least. So I think uh, that the tablet, maybe we hyped it a little too much and it's not happening as fast as people thought, but I think it's a totally valid thing. And I know that it's not for everybody, but I, I personally, I cannot envision giving up my tablet and having to choose between smartphone or laptop again. I use my iPad all the time. And I used to use, before the iPad, I used my iPhone around the house a lot. But now that um, I have an iPad, the, the smartphone just sort of stays parked if I'm not out and about. That's just, I, I would much rather use the iPad when I'm at home. So, okay, we should move on. John Phillips, what do you have for us? Sure. Uh, okay, so LG announced two wearables this week. Uh, one we had seen before, that was the LifeBand Touch. It's a activity tracker. But the other one is much more novel, and I'm interested to hear what this group thinks about it. It's the uh, earphone heart rate monitor. So they're earbuds. You stick them in your ear, plays music, but also it has sensors inside that can um, measure the blood flow in the, I guess, the top of your ear canal and report heart rate. I'm interested to uh, know if you guys would use a product like this, if you think this could be a wearable that makes a difference or if it will fall in the growing um, 
heap of wearables that people have a lot of questions about and aren't so quick to support. I think it's interesting because, I mean, the data could be interesting, but it's a question of what you do with it. Um, you know, what are you going to determine from the heart rate? I mean, it might be great if you're exercising, right, and you want to get your heart rate up to a specific level. But I feel like even there, you're kind of talking about sort of a niche activity. People aren't, you know, checking their heart rate constantly, right? So it might be interesting for some people who have sort of a more fitness bent, but I don't think it's necessarily something that most people are interested in. For me, it's kind of a non-starter because earbuds in traditional, like, they just don't fit in my ears. I have real problems. They just fall out, and it's like, uh, that doesn't work for me. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sold on this being the, you know, best new wearable. It's an interesting idea, and I think what it really shows is that, health metrics is definitely the next sort of area that we're going to be looking at, especially for the wearables market. And that's where we're going to see some interesting developments over the next couple of years. So I imagine this is not the last we will hear uh, between this and the whole rumor that Apple was going to be doing very similar thing. I don't think this is the last we're going to be hearing about heart rate measuring earphones or other wearables. Uh, yeah, I, this isn't something I would buy, just straight up. Um, but, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty novel approach to what they're trying to do, but it seems like, like Dan was saying, uh, some manufacturers are kind of like, they're like, oh, there's this wearable market, so let's just throw everything and see what sticks. Um, you know, I think everything is going to be aimed towards health. Um, I think that's a good market to, for uh, the average consumer to even get get behind. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you guys. I, I, I don't know about this, but I like, I like the idea here because I think this is where we're going, which is, uh, and Dan mentioned this too, um, sensors everywhere. I think, that's, I think that's where we're going. And right now we think of it as like, oh, here is a novel product with a sensor in it. But eventually sensors are just going to be everywhere. And it's like a um, – you, you guys remember from uh, Charlie Brown and Peanuts, the, uh, the, the kid Pigpen, who when he mm-hmm. walked around, he had like a cloud, cloud. all around him. I thought that was a metaphor for the cloud, though, Jason. Well, th- this is where I'm going with this, Dan. You've, re- you've, you've sussed me out. Uh, <laughs> I think we're all going to be uh, in our own little personal clouds full of data on all these devices and things we don't even think of devices now. This may be stuff that's sewn into our clothing, uh, and, and it's going to collect data. And, and the personal cloud, the idea there is that that data will get collected somewhere, and then something intelligent will tell us things about it. Now, right now, it all seems a little novel, because it's like, it's your blood, blood sugar from your wristwatch, and it's your heartbeat from your earphones, and things like that. But over time, I think this will get smaller and more sophisticated, and eventually we'll get to the point where you won't even notice that these sensors are there. It's a little bit like how, you know, in our cars now, we have all sorts of computers and sensors and things there. And, you know, after a while, it starts being novel. And then after a while, it's just like it's a car. It knows things. And you don't worry about it. It knows about itself. And that's that's enough. And I feel like that is where we're going with a lot of this stuff. So although I'm not super excited um, about the the headphone uh pulse sensor although actually when you're jogging you're probably listening to headphones and you may uh want to know what your heart rate is so it's kind of a clever idea but uh, i do love where this is going where we're all going to have those personal clouds of sensors and it's not going to be novel it's just going to be information that's used in ways that are are normal and not and then and don't seem weird and like you're a you know kind of obsessed life logger it's just going to be your phone's going to be able to tell you stuff or your computer or your tablet or whatever um and i'm excited about that idea it's just early days now so now when we see a thing with sensors and we think it's novel i think i fall somewhere in between all three of you um because i cover this stuff every day i see so much crap out there and so many wearables that no one should buy this one i I like the idea that it really just does two things it plays music it tells you your heart rate 
the other heart rate sensor-driven wearables don't work that well. Basis does work well. The Samsung heart rate sensors don't seem to be that accurate. Um, LG is touting better accuracy, so that remains to be seen. But if they can give you accurate heart rate data while you're exercising in real time continuously, something that Samsung doesn't really do, that, then that's a big plus, especially because, like you said, Jason, and I think Dan said this too, if you could check your heart rate while you're jogging and it's accurate and it's continuous in real time, that's very limited use case, but it's a use case that, that could appeal to enough people to make this relevant. Really quickly, we are asking Clockwise listeners to complete a short anonymous survey. It'll take more than five minutes because like we always say, we don't want to waste your time. It helps match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of the podcast. And if you complete the survey, you'll be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We promise not to sell or share your email address. We aren't going to send you any email at all unless you are the winner. So go to www.podsurvey.com slash clockwise www.podsurvey.com slash clockwise to take our survey and get a chance to win a hundred dollar amazon gift card sound good dan that's pretty good for just five minutes worth of work yeah i'll say you know maybe everything has been said that is possible to say about uh, apple potentially acquiring beats but i am still curious um you know it's been i don't know when did that break last late last week or so uh, and we still haven't really heard whether or not this is actually happening. It's still more in the form of rumor. But I, I want to sort of get your guys' impressions on whether or not you think this is a smart move for Apple or Beats in terms of a merger. I, I mean, it's not like I'd be a, a completely opposed to it. I, it's you know, it's hard to say whether I actually see this happening. I just don't think it would be necessarily a bad thing. I think they're. You know, uh, Apple offers a premium product, and then, you know, being able to package some really premium headphones in with it is something that the uh, Apple consumer would come to expect and really enjoy. Um, but, you know, we've already seen HTC make their partnership with, uh, with Beats, and that really wasn't the best of partnerships. But then at least, um, you know, Apple has the, you know, financial backing to keep continue with it. Um, other than that, I'm not, not really sure what to say about that one. I, I, I'm intrigued by this because it's not something Apple's done before, and I kind of go back and forth yeah. about the uh, – when we were talking about that book, Haunted Empire, I think uh, one of the questions was, what was its thesis? And it was, is, it, is Apple going off the rails in its estimation because it's not doing what Steve Jobs would do or because it's only doing slavishly what Steve Jobs would do? And this is fascinating to me because this is not the Steve Jobs playbook, and it's Tim Cook – taking a different approach, and we'll see whether it's good or not. I think it's clever in the sense that Beats is a, uh, a, a we can quibble about the quality of their product, because a lot of people do, but it is a it is a successful lifestyle brand. People, you know, it's a, people recognize the headphones out in the world. They see that logo. Um, it, a certain younger demographic really likes buying Beats stuff, and they think really highly of it. So, is it good for Apple to kind of attach itself to this um, to this successful brand? Uh, yeah, especially if it doesn't destroy it, which is always the risk with a <laughs> with a purchase. And then the streaming music thing, I'm fascinated by because that is I I am a Beats uh, music subscriber, and I think it's a really good service that has a lot of potential, and it's the first uh, music subscription service I've ever paid for, and that's something Apple hasn't done. And I like uh, Beats is the my favorite of all the music subscription services. I've tried. And so again, I hope Apple doesn't screw it up, but instead uh, can make it even more popular than it is. So that would be good. Yeah, I, d I don't get this purchase. Um, I mean, I, I won't recount everything that's already been said, which I would tend to agree with. But yeah, I mean, Beats is a great 
brand, but it's not Apple. And Apple, a- Apple is like so, you know, Apple is Apple. And Apple, um, it's a much more, how do I say this, uh, mainstream, authentic, believable brand than Beats. And yep. Beats just sort of seems like, um, I'm trying to think of the right analogy. It, it just doesn't seem like uh, Beats, the, the brand ID of Beats aligns that well with Apple. So I guess they could buy Beats and let Beats continue to be Beats. But I don't really, I, I just don't see, it's not as if, it's, it's not like a GM Chevrolet kind of situation where when you think, Chevrolet, you think, oh, of course, that's a GM property. I yeah, mean, well, it just Apple. It, Dan, you you could tell us about this. It, it, other than FileMaker, does Apple have any subsidiary that retains its own existence and branding these days? Not really. FileMaker is the weird. It's part of Apple and not and that, and part of a, Apple, and at the that's same a legacy time. of '90s Apple. That right. Just I mean, there was Claris for a long time that ran its yeah. own software division and was uh, kind of standalone. And, but and that's FileMaker really. now is all yeah, that's left right. of that. So it would be very different, John. To your point, for Apple to put it on the side, although that seems to make the most sense to me, too, is that you sort of want to say, well, all the goodness of, that accumulates to Beats and all of the deals that Beats makes, it's all going to be about Apple now, but it's still going to be Beats on the side. That would be a big change for them because yeah, they don't. Apple yeah. doesn't do wholly owned subsidiary other than the one right. oddness of FileMaker, which used to be Claris, which was really and, from the right. Scully they, days. Yeah, They don't do multi-branding either, right? So it's hard to picture the whole like audio by Beats emblazoned on an iPhone, right? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a move Google would make, like the Nest purchase, but it doesn't make sense for Apple. And then the other thing I would bring out is, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, Iovine, Jimmy Jimmy Iovine. Iovine, could you really imagine him sitting on the the executive board at Apple? It just doesn't, and let alone Dr. Dre, who is also rumored (laughs) to be joining the team. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that would be, be great. Ha- I, I, actually, I do think that Apple, at least Apple thinks of itself as more of a rock star than a boring technology company. Like Google thinks of itself as an engineer. If Google had a personality, they'd be an engineer. Apple, if they if they were a, uh, had a personality, it would be like a, a either a designer or a musician. And so I think from I, I think they would believe that Jimmy Iovine and uh, Dr. Dre would be good fits, and maybe they would be. I don't know, but it would be. It, it would be interesting to see that play out. When I th- when I think of Apple, I think of my visits to the Cupertino campus and seeing everyone there and working there and, you know, like toiling right, right. <laughs> in Cupertino. I don't see Jimmy Iovine kicking back behind a desk and going to meetings. I think it's an interesting move. I think Jimmy Iovine is an interesting person to have on board in the sense that he knows everybody in the music industry, it seems yeah. like. And so that's a lot of leverage for Apple to be able to drop during negotiations, for example, with labels. Um, I think that they're not opposed to that. Whether this becomes as codified as, you know, Iovine and, and Dr. Dre sitting on their on the, you know, executive team, I don't know if that'll actually come to pass or if they'll end up being more like special advisors or, I, heck, I could see them being board members almost. Um, but I agree it's a weird purchase and that's because there's so many different prongs to the Beats offering. I feel like the headphones thing is kind of the least of it. Uh, and I would be curious to see if they'd sort of either sort of spin that off as a separate entity while absorbing the the streaming service into iTunes Radio or what have you. But yeah, I I don't know. It's very perplexing, and I'm looking to see how that plays out because part of me still feels like maybe this is all just some sort of weird hoax. <laughs> yeah. All right, Blake, 
you get you get to do topic number four. What would you like to talk about? You you work on Greenbot, uh, IDG's Android site, and I assume you have an Android related topic for us. Uh, yeah, I was going to talk about uh, Motorola and the Motorola E. They just announced that yesterday. Very much a uh, budget device. Their cheapest device probably to date in the smartphone market. It's a uh, $129 off contract, um, and you know it has some pretty modest specifications. Um, you know, it's roughly roughly the same specifications of like the Motorola Atrix, which was announced like, maybe almost three years ago. Yeah. But um, wow, I guess um, uh, I was asking. I was just wondering if uh, what do you guys think about Motorola's race to the bottom? Uh, <laughs> do, do you think that that you know <clears throat> the uh, the emerging markets uh, getting into that is really smart? But um, as far as branding, you know, what does that do um, for maybe when? You know, maybe Lenovo wants to do something really high end with them. When, um, you know, if they come back to the U.S., uh, what what is this uh, brand as far as a brand standpoint? Does this? What do you think about Motorola because of this? You know, everybody like, is struggling with this, right? Because uh, Apple certainly struggles with this. I think Samsung and LG struggle with this, which is uh, there is this wonderful high quality expensive smartphone market and then there's the vast number of people who are not using smartphones uh, a lot of them are in emerging markets and they are not going to spend you know the equivalent whether it's through subsidy or out of their pocket the money that an iPhone 5s costs so or a Motorola or, or, a, or a Samsung Galaxy S5 costs right so I, I'm fascinated by this. I mean, uh, the idea of a 129, you know, uh, off-contract phone. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you you buy just to take with you when you travel overseas, mm-hmm. since you have a locked phone, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a, a crazy idea, and it's and it's you know, the fact is, those emerging markets are all going to go. This is this is this is going to be their uh, avenue to the internet is smart, through a smartphone, and so making them more affordable is huge. I, I, you're right. You risk as a brand being perceived as being kind of a cheap brand, and and um, or that your their phones are slow or all of that. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's smart. I think you know you you risk having you risk having that change in your brand perception. But the fact is, the potential market for these things is huge, and 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 you got to get the price down. And and for a company like Apple that has always said, you know, we're never going to go below this. Like Apple doesn't sell a laptop cheaper than eight ninety nine. Um, that that would be dumb for them to do a, a phone with four year old or three year old specs. But for other companies, you know, you see some great success. And in, in you know, if you sell a two or three hundred dollar laptop, that uh, that you're gonna there's a big market for that, even if the margins are rough and the quality isn't as high. So I lo- I love seeing it because I'm excited about the potential of bringing these kinds of products to uh, to parts of the world that don't have access uh, to this kind of technology and to the internet. And I think that's going to be really exciting, even if it's not exciting technology wise. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty low end phone. I I held it yesterday. It feels like the original iPhone. The um, the what was the original iPhone? Three point five inches. Yeah, it's yeah. 3.5 for a while. Yeah, so the 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 E is uh, it's actually a lot bigger, but it feels so yeah, small. It's four point three inches, yeah. but you kind of look at it and you're like, it's it's yeah. four point three, yeah. but you know now that my current phone is four seven, and I'm gonna you know move up to a plus five Note three uh, as soon as I can get myself to a kiosk or a store. Uh, it feels really small. There's no front facing camera. Uh, it comes with four gigs of onboard storage, which is laughably small. There is a um, expansion slot. So, uh, you know, the tech enthusiasts will look at it and and see it as evidence of Motorola slipping into, um, you know, 
complete bottom feeder status. But like you said, the emerging markets are super important for all companies. They have to figure out a way to increase their user base. And that means going to places where people don't have a lot of smartphones. Uh, I think the Lenovo acquisition will will be really telling. There's, um, I, I think that's when we need to start paying attention to what Motorola is doing. They've sort of been floundering under Google. Uh, they're in stasis right now, uh, awaiting Lenovo. But once Lenovo, which is a hugely successful PC manufacturer, uh, gets a hold of it and they start working together on roadmaps, that, then I think we could start identifying what Motorola really is going to be in the next few years. It's been kind of fascinating in that way to look at these these companies that were the purveyors of cell phones for so long, like Motorola and Nokia, both of which have essentially been swallowed up by technology companies like Microsoft, you know, Lenovo, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the the scale is tipping, and I think that's a big part of why this is an interesting product, because as you guys have alluded to, you know, the big end of the sort of the wedge for, for the market is capturing all those people who are still non-smartphone users. And that's hard to do with the products that are priced, even, you know, the low end products from, say, Apple, you know, is still $100 on contract. And if you're buying in a country that doesn't do subsidies, you're talking many hundreds of dollars, and most people are probably not going to afford that. Um, so, the question is, what does a low-end smartphone look like? Sooner or later, there's going to have to be more and more low-end smartphones if, because it seems like a no-brainer for the smartphone to take over the phone market, period. There are so much more capable. Yes, there are downsides to them, but uh, you know, if you can lower the price and come up with a way to appeal to uh, folks who are still looking at feature phones these days, uh, you, you kind of got to do it because that's where the growth's at. Um, so I'm intrigued. There were years and years ago, I remember someone, Nokia or Motorola, one of those companies, you know, coming up with a very, very simple feature phone, even at that time that didn't have like, as the feature phone started to veer more and more into like, oh, there's a web browser. It's a crappy little web browser, but it's there. Um, you know, I, I feel like they, someone came out with like a very, very simple phone for emerging markets. And a lot of us who were sort of sitting there at the time going, wow, phones have become really complicated. That looks cool. Like a very simple phone that you could just have and use as a burner phone or take with you on trips or give to a, you know, uh, parent or grandparent or someone who's less technically savvy. And so I think, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. And so it's interesting to see Motorola take a shot at it. And I think it also has, because it's, you know, feeling a little marginalized, probably on the higher end of the market right now, it's a, an opportunity for them to do something different. So it's an interesting product. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's actually a, a, a interesting point that uh, they actually Motorola did actually mention as far as you know the higher end markets like the U.S. are concerned. This the Moto E would be a good you know replacement phone. Say you broke your actually expensive phone and yeah you don't you you know don't have the money right now to get it the screen replaced or whatever. You can just pick up you know one hundred thirty nine dollar or one hundred twenty nine dollar phone just to use as a beater. It can be like a better replacement than you know having to go buy that flip phone that crappy. You right. know, Nokia flip phone. So in that respect, it's kind of interesting. That's a tough market to be in. <laughs> we are almost out of time. I want to very quickly go around and ask everybody our bonus question because it's fun. And I just came back from a week on vacation and a couple of weeks on a business trip. And I struggled with what technology to take with me. Um, and I'm just curious, when you go on vacation, uh, you guys, do you bring technology with you for work or pleasure? Or do you try to leave as much of it be- be- uh, behind as possible? I think... Um, 
you know, for me, I, I tried to travel only with my tablet, but I ended up having to bring a laptop, mostly for my daughter to do her homework. John, what do you do? Just tablet. Just tablet. Uh, obviously, my phone's always with me, but I'll bring the iPad. All right. Cool. Dan? I'm usually traveling for work, so I pack a laptop. But if I am going away on vacation, um, I just, uh, the other weekend I went away for the weekend and brought my iPad mini and a Bluetooth keyboard, and it worked really well. And that was, it was great. Much lighter. Awesome. Blake, what about you? I uh, probably always would bring my laptop. Uh, I bring the tablet along uh, just in case, but I might not ever turn it on. Oh. Yeah, kind of thing. See, everybody's got something different. And, and like I said, if I, if I could, I would just bring the iPad mini and my iPhone. But my daughter had to do homework because we took her out of school and she still had work to do. So she got the laptop and that's how it worked. All right. We are at, totally out of time now. I would like to thank our guests. John Phillips, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. And Blake Stimmick, thank you for being here on your uh, inaugural appearance. And thank you very much. Here's to many more. And <laughs> Dan, this is the time when we say goodbye to everybody and remind them that all of us at Clockwise would like you to watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Is that how this goes? I've forgotten. I've been gone for two weeks. We're going to keep doing it until people believe it. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.